We're, we've been talking about costumes we as Christians deal with. The first Sunday, Jared brought a tremendous message on the costume uh, of being critical. And, and this, this is a disease as Christians. We have to battle again being critical. We can, get, we can be critical about our government today. We can be critical about our world today. We can be critical because we have to pay taxes. We can be critical about things on the job that we don't like. We can even be critical when we come to church if we're not careful. My dad had a rule that I'll never forget, and he said this to the four of us boys one day. We never went to the table and complained about what mom had fixed on the table as far as uh, food to eat. We never left the table until our, 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 our uh, plate was clean. But, but my dad had, had, had some things to say to us that was very, very tremendous and a few things that I didn't like that he had to say. But, but he, he always blessed the food and he let us know that that was a gift from the Lord as, as we had food to eat. And, uh, and growing up, uh, he, he, one thing that we did, were allowed to do was we were allowed to go uh, trick-or-treating. That was a fun day at the White House. I was always praying nobody would be home, so i do the trick. I wasn't interested in the candy. I was just thinking about something I could do to let people know I was there. And I had, and through the being raised in the parsonage, I always had a way of kind of sidestepping the truth. And people would say, somebody took soap and messed my window up. Was it you? And I, I always say, who in the world would treat you like that? <laughs> and, and through the period of time, it was, it was always a great time, but uh, uh, I, I didn't put a costume on this year, uh, but there are times in, in our church world that we have costumes as Christians that we wear. And, we, and Jared brought the message. Uh, you can go online and hear the message again about the costume of, of being critical and having a critical spirit. My dad had this rule, don't ever let me hear you complain. Complaining is like a, 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 is like a disease, and the more you complain, the more infected you get with complaining. Do not ever let me hear you complain. He never heard me complain, but I sure did some of it. I guess that's called rebellion. And then uh, uh, the second costume we talked about was uh, controlling and manipulating. Many pastors don't have the privilege that I... I have and Jared shares of, of uh, being manipulated into doing things that we don't feel led to do. We, we're not governed by a board. We're governed by the power of the Holy Spirit. And this church allows the pastor to be the shepherd, and the shepherd is the one that leads the flock. And, and church isn't always this way. And let me tell you, we are so blessed at Old Grove to have a church family where the shepherd can do the leading. He's not manipulated. He, he, it's his responsibility to stand before God or stay before God on his knees until he hears from heaven and has something good to say to you that will encourage you, that will bless you, that will cause you to want to serve the Lord with joy and gladness. It's an awesome privilege because many pastors are not treated this way. And I'll never forget through the pages of time, 40 years has a lot of memories, but... Uh, the ruling of the Assemblies of God, this denomination had, had this rule. Uh, after you served a congregation uh, one year, uh, if you could retain uh, two-thirds of the uh, vote, then you got to stay. The next election, election was supposed to be for three years. However, for 25 years, we voted once a year. And uh, inwardly, I was laughing because uh, I didn't want to come in the first place. <laughs> and I was really hoping that there would be a time when I'd get excused. <laughs> 
However, for 25 years it went this way, and, and finally uh, we moved to the three-year voting. And, uh, and it was still a great time. However, there were three men in this church. I'm, I'm just, I'm getting ready to preach. about it. This is funny to me. For there were three guys in this church that got so sick and tired of hearing the report of the, of the vote that it, he got it 100% again. He got it 100% again. So these three men ganged up, and they said, uh, we're going to change that. Next pastoral election, we're going to, th- all three of us are going to vote no. I'll never forget the first Sunday, the first election that they voted no. Uh, I'll never forget Linda Christensen's what mother met me at the door, and, and she had fire in her eyes. Oh, very few times did I ever see El- Isabel with fire in her eyes. She said, if I only knew those three heathens that voted against you, I would go to them now. I said, let me see just a minute. I think I can give you their names. I didn't. I didn't. I saved her life. I didn't. I didn't. It, it, but it was funny. So uh, the, the congregation didn't know, but they had came to me and said, you know, we're just going to see to it. We don't want pride to get in your life. We're just going to see to it. You don't get 100% anymore. I, I said, that, that's good with me. Something funny happened. You know, sometimes it just pays to hold your peace. Have you ever heard, had something that you just thought it was too good, you had to tell it? Well, this was that way, but the Lord gave me the power to hold my peace. <clears throat> One evening, uh, we were having pastoral election, and uh, Sherry and I had left the uh, fellowship hall where the business meeting was being transacted, and before we got down to the intersection where you turned to, to go, come to my office, <clears throat> the door opened and said, Come on back, Pastor. Uh, the election's already over. I said, How can it be? And uh, so when I walked in, they said, uh, Pastor, uh, 100%. I looked, and these three guys were sitting over here at a table by themselves. And I was trying to figure, how did they change their mind? <clears throat> and I didn't know until after the, I went to the office after the church. And, of course, this church secretary tells me what she wants me to know, and she keeps what she doesn't want me to know. But she said, something happened that was funny today. Tonight, when you walked out, Somebody said, let's just vote by acclamation. All in favor, raise your hand. <laughs> there was one table that had three men. They were looking at each other, and they seen everybody had their hand up but them. And so, uh, reluctantly, they held their hand up. <clears throat> I won't tell you what I did, but I had much fun at their expense until they passed on. They knew I loved them, but, boy, it is always fun to have a, a fun at somebody else's expense in a Christian way. I have a scripture I want to share with you, and then uh, last Sunday was on hypocrisy. We see the world uh, having a costume of hypocrisy, and that can even come into the church, uh, and God doesn't, is not pleased with hypocrisy. We see it laced in the Bible uh, many times, but this morning, the costume, and this will be the last one of the Halloween messages that we had put together, is the overly needy. The costume of overly needed. Have you ever met somebody, every time you met them, you just kind of put your brace up because they were going to need something and they felt like you could help them? Nobody? I'm sorry, this message is just for me. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Well, let me first lace it with a scripture I'm going to share with you. And it's in 1 John chapter 3, verse 17. And I've practiced this through... Uh, about 54 years of of ministry and it's been a blessing because it just kind of has my name on it 
And 1 John chapter 3, verse 7 says, But whoever has this world's goods and sees a brother in need and shuts up his heart from him, how does the love of God abide with him? More times and more times than I can count, and years gone by, there's been a little a reluctant spirit at times that would rise within the board that I was accountable to. And, and I would quote this scripture. I said, this family's in need. I've been to their house. I wouldn't ask you if I didn't know I stood on solid ground. But how can I say the love of Jesus dwells within me when I see a family in need? I haven't always been wise in, in, in blessing people. There are people that, that uh, really expose uh, me in a, in a horrible way that I have reached out and been a blessing to. And all the time, they really didn't need to be blessed. They just had a, a sermon, a one sermon that they wanted to preach to me because they knew that my heart was a heart that I wanted, and I would always want to reach out and help them. But, but the Bible has a lot to say about this, and I want, we're just going to spend some time. Today, uh, we're, we are going to talk about how to deal with overly needed people. Over, overly, they just, every time they see you, they, they, they need something. They need your encouragement, or they need something that you, you know that, they, that you can help them with. And as we start, let's just look at crystal clear that we as Christian followers are called by God to help people in need. When Jesus saw you and I in need, he died on the cross for our sins. Without the shedding, without him seeing our need and being willing to pay the price, there would be no remission for our sins. So he saw us as a needy people. Are we still in need of things from the Lord today? Yes. When we're down and out, we need encouragement. He holds encouragement in the palm of his hand. When we need leadership to know what to do, he holds that in his hand. We are a needy people, and until the trumpet sounds, we will always be needy. In times when somebody uh, 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 takes advantage of you, we need, the, we need the ability to say, I forgive you, and life goes on. In times when we are hurt, we need to realize that Jesus came to this world for many purposes, but he came to bind up the brokenhearted and to set at liberty those that are held in captivity. And then he came to proclaim the acceptable day of the Lord. Today is still the acceptable day of the Lord. We're still people in need. We will always need help. We'll need encouragement in a time of discouragement. We'll need to be blessed when we're discouraged. We'll need our heart mended when we're brokenhearted. When we did the wrong and it seems like guilt is just riding us to our grave, we still know that God wants to relieve us of guilt and shame because with his stripes we are healed by the blood of Jesus. We've been washed whiter than snow. And so the resources that God has made available to us are for us to use, and they're called God's resources. And as God calls us and empowers us, we should be incredibly generous to those who are standing in need. Can I have a good witness? Amen. Amen. The reason that God blesses us in a way that he does. The Bible says the, our responsibility is to take care of widows. When a, a lady loses her, her husband, her, the, 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 the breadwinner, you as a church, is, we rush forward to see what can be done. And we have many, many times we have been able to reach out to a lady that was lost all of a sudden through the death of a spouse. We are, we are born with the ability. When Jesus uh, brought us into his family, the spirit of generosity began to flow through us. And God wants you to know he has blessed us beyond measure. I'm a rich man today. I'm healthy. I'm, my, I'm 78 years of age. I don't have to rely on medication. And I find it really, I have a real, real strong problem with reaching out like that I should with people that are struggling with health issues but God has the ability to melt my heart just like he does with you with something called compassion 
Jesus was moved with compassion when he saw the sick, the lame. He didn't heal everybody that needed to be healed. He didn't meet everybody's need that he, that he met. But I'm telling you, he always had compassion. And compassion is laced with a lot of things. When you're laced with compassion, God will give you the ability to listen to somebody who has a real problem. When you're laced with compassion, he'll, he'll cause you to stop your world and plug into somebody that really needs to hear from somebody who's in touch with the Lord. Not that they're not, but there's something the Holy Spirit energizes us with when we open our heart with compassion and he gives us the, even, the ability to even love the unlovable. There's many things that God gives us the ability to use and the ability that he wants us to express because the church is God's hand. We're his feet. He has created us so that we can realize that we're the head and not the tail. We're the above and not the beneath. And can I just tell you, I've acted both ways. I've shown my taillights many times and had to go back and apologize. Many people today have legitimate needs. It's amazing, but very common. Those are in need are often too embarrassed to ask for help. Can I tell you, can I tell you this with love in my heart as your shepherd? When somebody shares something personal with me, I don't go home and share it with others. And we have a board that does the same thing. When something comes to the board's attention and we need to share it, we don't take it home. We don't let it go on internet. We don't expose it because something you share by way of needs should be confidential. And yet you can go on, on Facebook and you can see confidential things that are being shared that should not be shared. I'm not again Facebook. My wife, if Facebook was a sin, she would never get a shot toward heaven. I know she's going there, so I have to accept the fact that I guess it's okay. I just don't have a lot of time for it. But you know what? When there are those that are expressing a need, or you know they have a need, and they're embarrassed to offer to receive help, they often feel embarrassed receiving help. And it's my responsibility. It's my responsibility to see that they don't that I don't leave their house, making them to feel guilty. We've all had shortcomings. You're looking at a pastor during the 80s. Our, our business was doing good. We had a plane in the hangar when we needed to go to the West Coast, when we needed to go to Colorado or, or, or Canada to take care of business. It was there. But one day the oil, the oil field shut down, and we had needs to meet, and it took us under, and we had to take bankruptcy. I didn't think I could ever hold my head up again. I didn't think I could ever handle the shame that, that came my way. I, I, just, I just, if I could have, I'd have ran for my life. But in the midst of it all, God in, stepped into my life and encouraged me and strengthened me and he blessed me. And even though I was being hung by a few people in the community by my heels, God eventually gave me favor for, in those people's eyes. Right. One in particular, not long ago, sent a message to me and she said I, I i just want to tell you i've harbored bitterness and unforgiveness toward your will and i just want to ask you would you have grace enough to forgive me i want you to know i was so wrong would you find it in your heart to forgive me i was quick to send an answer i said not only are you forgiven but i love you i'll never forget as i was, I was thinking about this and pondering it in my heart i thought you know one day I'm going to meet this person on the street or somewhere, and I'm, it's going to be interesting to see how she responds to me when I 
uh, when I meet this person. It wasn't long. I was in, in Gore Plaza, and I was walking down this hall, and I seen the person coming that had sent me the note. And she didn't walk on one side of the hall of me on the other. Here she came, and, and she had her arms out like this, and she pulled me close to her, and she hugged me, and she says, I just want to tell you one more time how much I love you. I'm telling you, I melted on the inside. You know what I said on the, on the outside? Satan, you're still a liar. The Bible says many are the afflictions. You can be afflicted financially, spiritually, and physically. And if we're not very careful, we'll wear the guilt of shame or the costume of shame because we need help. Listen, God is a present help in time of need. And if it wasn't for the power of the Holy Spirit and the presence of God, none of us would be here today. There's always a time when God wants to restore, and he will restore a hundredfold. And he'll restore you in ways that you never even dreamed of. But in the time of the storm, as many times, even in the ministry, we say ministers that step out of the, con- out of the from behind the podium, and they call it quits. Not too many weeks ago, an awesome minister on the West Coast, pastoring thousands of people. I believe he had two, maybe three small children and an awesome wife walked out of the pulpit. Everything just seemed to be going good. The people loved him. The church was growing. Everything was just going awesome. And before midnight that night, they found his lifeless body where he had taken his life. Listen to me. We're never, never exempt from the voice of the enemy. He comes to kill. He comes to steal. He comes to destroy. He comes to tell you you're no good. You'll never make it. Look what you've done. It's a shameful thing for somebody that's called a Christian or a preacher to do what you've done. Listen, the Bible says many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers us out of them all. Let me ask you this morning, how much is all? Every one of them. He deals with our shortcomings. He deals with our sins. Listen, when the lights go out in your business, there's nothing you can do to turn them on. When things around you fall short and and you come to the place where you can't pay your bills, let me tell you, especially when you're working in a million-dollar area of a a cash flow, and when the lights go out, people can't order what you're selling, and people can't pay what you owe. Listen, it becomes a dark hour in your life when you cushion your head on the pillow. I know. I've been there. One person in the community said, I'm going to do everything I can to make it as miserable as I can on him so that the church will kick him out. I got kicked, but not out. My light's still burning today. I say this very humbly. You know what? I can relate to people today that are going through difficult times. I can relate to somebody who's had a suicide in their family because we had to deal with it. I can deal with things when your kids go wrong. I can deal with things when you look through the bars as somebody you were responsible for bringing into this world because I've had one. Listen, that's not the end of the story, let me tell you. God's grace is always sufficient. It's most efficient, most efficient in our weakest hour. And it's in those, those sleepless hours that I learned to call upon the Lord. And he said, if you'll call upon me, I'll answer you and I'll show you great and mighty things you know nothing about. And I found it recorded in Jeremiah 30 and 3, and it had my name written on it. You know what? When I adopted it from the pages of God's Word and placed it in the depth of my spirit, it began to work miracles for me. 
And it'll work for you, and it'll work for, it'll work for us until the trumpet sounds, no matter where you're at today. Maybe everything's going good. Maybe everything, maybe you're, you're not hurting financially. Maybe you're not hurting spiritually. Maybe you're not hurting physically. But listen, there always comes something into our life that will cause us to wonder. Maybe it's a bad report from the doctor. The 18th, I'm supposed to go back and see if the malignancy has moved from my, my neurologist says from where it was, they thought it would be contained in my bone structure. Listen, I don't waste any time thinking about that. The Bible says my steps are ordered by the Lord. And I'm not checking out until he's ready to check me in. And when he's ready to check me in, who in the world would want to hang around here? Not that I don't love you, but I've got a lot of friends. The people that I met 40 years ago, with the exception of two or three, have already graduated. Told the story, it's worth telling again. A former pastor was 104 years old in a nursing home. He had been a tremendous pastor. Pastored many churches, loved rural America, and his son had, had, had grown up in the ministry, gone to get a degree in theology, and he had become one of the district officials in the state of Oklahoma. And one day, his son went to the nursing home to visit his dad. His dad's mind was still good and uh, could think, and he still remembered scriptures. He was powerful, but his body was wearing out. As his son sat down to visit with him and visited a while, asked him how he was doing, and he said, Dad, I've been thinking about something. <clears throat> could I ask you a question? His dad said, sure, son. You, you've always been able to ask me a question. He said, well, have you ever thought about this? He said, you're the oldest minister in the Assemblies of God organization in all 50 states. And he said, you got a plaque a few, few weeks ago honoring you for being the oldest minister with the Assemblies of God. He said, yes. He said, well, I've been thinking about this, and I want you to think about it. He said, I can see all your friends around the coffee shop this morning, and they're looking around, and they, they're saying, you know, there's a big surprise in heaven. And they called, he called his dad by name. He said, they're saying to, to one another, he didn't make it to heaven. And his dad didn't know how to respond to that, but it was hilarious. He hadn't, he hadn't entered heaven because he was 104 years old. The rest of them went 70, 80, 90, and 100, but not 104. I was at his funeral. Carolyn and Renzi traveled to Tulsa where we enjoyed a great memorial service. He pastored here for years. And uh, his son stood and told the story about what he had, she had, he had told his dad. Listen, nobody's guaranteed tomorrow, but let me ask you, what are you doing with today? Is there somebody in your life that needs a word of encouragement? Is there somebody whose heart is broken and, and dreams are shattered and it would just do them an awesome blessing if you just pick up the phone and, and call. My time is running out, but there are four categories that I wanted to break down this morning, and time is getting away from me. Uh, there, there are a lot of people in our world today that's dealing with uh, incurable insecurity. They're not secure. They, they want to believe the Bible. They want to believe what it has to say. They want to believe the plan that God has, but they feel so insecure, and they just wonder, what if it doesn't happen? 
What if it doesn't happen? And they, they carry the, they wear the garment of insecurity all through life. And, and they're just wandering from one day to the next. And many times you hear them saying this, well, my dad died with cancer. I, what chance do I have? Insecurity speaks out of their mouth every time. You know, they're, they're saying, they're, there's businesses going, going to the bad, and I'm in that same business, so what, what chance do I have? And they experience and they share their insecurity. Listen, folks, the only thing that can make you secure today is the presence of God. Amen. Yeah. Psalms 91 says, No evil shall befall you, neither shall any plague come nigh your dwelling, because he gives his angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways. They'll, they'll lift you up lest you dash your foot against the stone. You can, you, can, you can flee. Angels are protection around you today. You can be secure when you're in God's hand because he's watching over you. He's your father and you're his children. Another group I wanted to deal with this morning, I don't have time, was the drama queens. Let me ask you today, is there any drama queens in your family today? A few laughs. Corey, I thought you, you looked at Joe, but <laughs> we're not going there, Joe. A, a drama queen, you know, that, what, what they've been through, you have, and, and, and you'll, many times you'll hear this, you can't believe what I'm going through. You can't believe it. Maybe you was through it yesterday and you just flushed yesterday and went on. But I mean, the drama, the, when the curtain pulls back, I mean, the drama just flows. I mean, it's, it's interesting. It gets more interesting, especially if you wait and let them tell the, all the story. Drama queens. There's a costume called the drama queen costume. And then there's another costume where people just can't let go of what's happened. They continually talk about yesterday. They continually, there's nothing good going on in their life. They, they want to talk about the heart, heartbeat of yesterday, how, how sad it was, how serious it was. And, and, and maybe it's nothing to compare with what somebody else has been through. And maybe it is. Maybe it is something. But listen, Paul, the Apostle Paul, who started out as a murderer for Christians, shutting the church doors, he penned this very carefully for you and I. Because when the day that Jesus walked into his life, the first thing he had to do is receive forgiveness of sin because he was known in the Christian world as a murderer. He closed the church's friend. I mean, he met, when you've seen him coming, you better, you better run for your life. Paul wrote this very carefully. There's a lot of things, he says, that I don't understand. But this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling. I press. He didn't say, I'm gonna, somebody's going to carry me across. He said, I'm going to give it all the energy. I'm going to give it all the power I can. I'm going to concentrate because I have one thing in mind. I'm going to cross the finish line because I'm more than a conqueror. David, a murderer, an adulterer, had, had made, so many, made so many mistakes in sin. Uh, the Bible looked one day on David's heart, and here's what he said about a man that the world labeled as an adulterer, as a murderer. I mean, he, even though he was king, he did all of these things. But one day God looks in his heart, and here's what he says. That man's a man after my heart. Listen to me, the world looks on the outward appearance, and I'm not saying that we shouldn't do everything we can to make the outward man look good. I'm, I'm not telling you that we, we should formulate 
great habits and do our best to follow Jesus. But don't be so taken up with pleasing the world that you forget Jesus is the one that's made you what you are. Don't get so caught up in the fact that you made a mistake yesterday and you wonder if everybody knows it. I've made mistakes. I've heard the enemy say, everybody knows this. And I've heard the Holy Spirit says, you're not that important. Not everybody knows you. It pays to serve the Lord. It's an honor to serve the Lord. It's a joy to serve the Lord because he knows our shortcomings. He knows that, that we need his help. Then there are those, no matter what comes, from the day they're accountable, they're in financial need. I've been in financial need. When we were traveling in gospel music, I think it was about seven weeks before Sherry had the opportunity to go to the grocery store. We were traveling. The money just didn't come in. But we were praying, God, your grace is sufficient. David said, I once was old, now I'm, uh, I once was young, now I'm old. I've never seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging bread. And I would pray that while we were on the road. I knew that Sherry was going through a real situation, keeping the kids in school while we were out traveling. But one day, a man 75 miles from where we live called. And he said, I want to know what's going on. He said, I know there's some problems in, in the home today. He said, I want to know what's going on. And my wife began to cry. She said, everything's okay. No, he said, it, it isn't. I, I couldn't sleep last night. I've been awake all night. I waited till I knew you would be up to put the kids on the bus. He said, what's wrong? And she, started, she was crying. She said, uh, call him by name. She says, I haven't been to the grocery store in seven weeks, and I don't know what I'll do for food when the kids get off the bus. He said, I'll tell you what you do. He said, before they get off the bus, you'll have the money to take care of yourself. Amen. Listen, listen. I found this when I'm in need. My Heavenly Father, is, is his grace is sufficient. It's made perfect in my weakest hours. I can talk to people whose cupboard is empty because mine has been empty at one time too. I can relate to people that are going through stuff. I can relate to people that, that don't know which way to turn or what, what to do next. I can deal with people that are so shamed because something happened that caused them to think they'll never be able to face the community again. And that day came to me, the day that my dad took his life. I thought, God, I'll never be able to face this community again. I'll never forget Yule Bond was the first one to my door. He brought his Bible, and he said, Oh, Orville, I came because I love you, but I came because God sent me. And when he went out the door, I had peace. I didn't have forgiveness, but I had peace. Listen, God knows He's touched by the feeling of our infirmities. Don't, don't, let, don't shove off what God's saying to you. Just do it. Just do it. Make sure God's speaking to you, but just do what he says. Whatever he says to do, do it. Amen. And you'll be surprised what God can do. I uh, got a text from a granddaughter this week, and she says... Uh, there's a, a, late, a young lady, she named her name. She's in the hospital, Papa. And uh, she's had a baby. And the baby uh, has these two fingers missing and these four, the cord was wrapped around and it's just a, just a piece of flesh. And uh, so I, I made my way to the hospital. I made sure that I got there. I called, called her 
she got, gave me the number, and I called her, and I said, are you, are you at the hospital? She said, I'm there all day. And I said, I'll, I'll be there. And I said, I'll call you. And when I got there, there's this little girl. She's, she was about this tall when she rode the bus for the first time. And uh, she touched my heart in more ways than one. I was just, you know, we, were ne we never drove off and let a kid get off the bus if there was no lights on in the house. And one night, I'll never forget, it was 11 o'clock before her parents came to the house, and I let her off the bus and came home. But Isaiah, as, as I met her on the seventh floor of the ICU, the Children's Hospital, I uh, checked in, they took your picture, they, they uh, took your rings and, uh, and uh, copied your driver's license. And I walked up to an incubator that was, had a 3.5 baby. Uh, in the incubator, and, uh, and I said, is the dad a part of your life? And she said, no, he ran the day I was, got pregnant. And I said, is your folks supporting you? She said, in no way, form, or fashion. Or will, I said, it slipped out of my mouth before I could even correct. I said, so you're facing this all alone? And she said, no. She said, I've got the Lord helping me. And I said, well, do you stay here all, all the time? She said, uh, no, she said, there's a place uh, just a few, about eight, eight minutes walk from here. And she pointed the direction she, she lived, she was staying, and it was not a good area. And I said, you shouldn't be walking that at night. She said, oh, I don't. The police know it's a bad area. They haul me from where I stay after when I leave the hospital so that I'll get there safely. And uh, so I put my arms around her, and when I put my arms around her, there was something that left my spirit into that little girl. <clears throat> with nobody standing around her, with nobody really caring, a baby in an incubator, I don't mind telling you, my heart was crushed. And uh, so as, I, as we prayed, well, uh, the Lord ministered to me. I put some money in her hand as we left. And uh, I said, I will be back every day that you're here or every week that you're here I'll be here at least one a day a week and if you need me before please call me time means nothing to me and and she smiled and when she smiled God spoke to my heart it never gets too dark in somebody's life who's left alone to face consequences but what she could smile and I said, I called her by name. I said, God touched me that first day you climbed up on the steps of my bus. And I said, I've never let you slip from my memory. And I'm so glad I met you then so I can know you now. And I released heaven for her.